Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. What's up, everybody? This is the Helping Friendly Podcast on tour and off tour all the time. The Helping Friendly Podcast. My name's RJ. I'm here with Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Howdy. And Brian Brinkman from Denver. Hi, Brian from Denver. How are you doing? Good. I didn't mention <laughs> where Jonathan's located because he's because it's, it's a secret location. Um, nobody can ever find that out, right? No, that's not accurate. <laughs> I'm in lovely Virginia, where the <laughs> atmosphere is aquatic and uh, the heat is on. Man, it's um, I like the summer a lot, but I'm 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 pretty tired of the humidity. Um, it's gonna cool down sometime, although maybe maybe not, maybe never again. I guess that's not why we're here to debate that, is it, Jonathan? <laughs> no, the weather podcast is uh, that's in an hour. We'll do that later. <laughs> All right, so we are brought to you. Today and this whole season by Shift Genuine Cannabis, we made an announcement last week that there's going to be an Osiris strain of Shift Cannabis at the Dick's Weekend. And 
Brian and Jonathan and I got to see it in person. It, it hadn't been cured, and there were some other steps that had to go through, but it was pretty cool to see um, and and look at and take pictures of. It was amazing to just see the the lid come off of this big canister of our cannabis and be like, that's ours. And and this is what our work has, has peaked at. It's amazing. But it also came after, as you guys have been hearing, and you will hear in this episode, uh, a phenomenal tour. One of the best tours just in general that I've ever been on. I felt so informed about the cannabis process and about what Shift does and what makes them so special. And uh, it was just, it was so enlightening. Yeah, I'm an expert now. Are you guys experts now? Yeah. I feel like you guys learned a lot more than I did. I was just confused most of the time. I just kept saying wow over and over. Because um, it was pretty mind-blowing, the whole, the whole setup, which we're, you're going to hear a little bit more from them later on. Um, Golden Meds in Colorado over Dick's Weekend. That's where you can find the Osiris strain. And you should go to shiftcannabis.com and enter the contest to win the two nights, two tickets to Vegas shows and airfare accommodations everything you've heard that before but we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep telling you and then on sunday the 5th of september we're gonna be in the parking lot at dicks and we're gonna announce the winner of this contest and it's gonna be fantastic contest sounds pretty sweet i mean like i I don't know why people wouldn't be entering if they have any interest in going to vegas and they aren't already an osiris type person like myself who has to pay for his own tickets i don't think we're allowed to enter or at least i haven't yeah, it seems like it would be not cool, so I didn't. <laughs> not cool. We're saving it for all of you <laughs> listeners. All right. So, guys, we've talked a lot about this tour. We've done our recaps every day after the show at 1 p.m. Eastern. Just a reminder, we'll pick that back up with the Gorge in just a few days. But we are going to talk a little bit about this tour so far. We've had a, we've had some time. We've had exactly one week to reflect. Um, I think it was it was one week ago at this very moment that we talked about the, the third night of AC. And... Um, a little bit more time to reflect. So we're going to start and just, just talk about our biggest takeaway from this first part of the tour. Um, Jonathan, do you want to go first? Sure. So takeaway from the first part of the tour is that Fish came ready to play. I, I think that if you scan Twitter or the various message boards or the you know other social media and things, you'd find prior to tour, a lot of people had expectations, which is always a mistake, that Fish might have some rust to knock off. And I know we used that word a little bit in the first couple discussions after, you know, tour got going. But ultimately, my assessment is that there was not a lot of rust. You know, they got on stage. Uh, Arkansas had some really high points, despite being the first show back. And they very quickly got the whole engine in gear. And they, they're not only where they were when we all left off in what, I guess, Mexico. I don't really count Mexico. But, you know, they've moved beyond. 4.0 is a real thing and a worthwhile thing. Yeah, I think I anticipated this tour, um, not no expectations, just anticipation uh, that Smart. there would be, <laughs> that there that part of what would define it going in would be all of these new songs that they were trying to incorporate. And sometimes during the tours that that happens, um we tend to hear sets that have somewhat less flow. They're trying to figure out where does this song fit? Where does this song fit? Sometimes jamming isn't as much of an emphasis. And I found this tour, it reminded me of past tours where the band wanted to explore their, their material and wanted to see what new sounds, what new ideas, what new 
avenues of musical communication can we find within our songs that are already set? Um, perhaps we'll hear a, an unveiling of a number of new songs coming in the next uh, in the next week in the west uh, in the western runs or in the fall tour. But I was kind of surprised by how they wanted to explore past material rather than present new material in this tour. That's that's a that's a good point. Um, I think the we're so used to these tours starting and hearing tons of new songs, especially Trey's stuff that he, that he works on. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much stuff that we can hear. There's, there's all the lonely trip material. There's so much that Trey's put together and there's a lot of new Mike, Mike and page music too. So assume we'll hear more music as this goes on. It's not like they haven't been playing new songs. True. Oh, totally. They haven't been beating them into our heads. I think most of them have had like one shot. Uh, I expect they'll be back. They have been working a lot of new sounds, new gear, Mm. Trey in particular. Uh, Mike, if you've been following his Instagram and watching his stories in the early part of the tour, was changing out basses and trying a number of new things to find a happy place with his own sound. That was, I think, less evident in the audience. But yeah, otherwise, I I completely agree. They're not... uh, you know, hammering new songs out, but they're just really producing uh, new music. Yeah, the I think I've need, I've never needed you like this before three times. That's the uh, those are the that's that's the most played new song, and also in, in totally different spots too, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, yeah. It's kind of I feel like they're they're moving some stuff around. Um, hopefully, we hear more of those those new songs. Um, I, to me, looking at this set list and going back and listening, I mean, it's amazing how almost every set two is nothing but segues like even you know there's some complaining about like the the fourth quarter whatever on a, a couple shows it's still like there's at least on fishnet there's almost no commas in any of these second sets it's all just going straight through and in and out of of songs and back into songs and i know they do that a lot but um i feel like that's notable on this on this run that we we're seeing almost no breaks in the second set and not a lot of ballads either. It's mostly like, it's mostly continuing to push, push forward, but that might be like a different tempo of playing just allows them to kind of keep a groove going throughout an entire set. That's, that's something I just made up. What do you, what do you think about that? I, I agree with that. And in terms of like how I view this tour and, or this, this leg of the tour in hindsight versus in the moment, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges I find just as a listener who follows fish is the the thing that I love the most about fish is that like kind of suspension of time that when they're in a really good jam or if they're in a set that just flows, um, the like presence of a watch or of a clock just doesn't exist. Um, and there are certain times though, where if I listen to a second set and I'm really enjoying a moment and I'm really enjoying a, a, an area where the band has gotten to, and then they transition quickly into a song. It kind of jolts me out of that, and it puts me in kind of a more analytical mindset. I want to get away from that as much as possible. And I felt in certain sets listening in the moment that I was really battling internally between, was that the right call, or is this just like the overall flow of the set? And in going back and listening to a number of these sets, and kind of the ones that really stuck out to me, the second night of Deer Creek, that second set... Um, and the second night of uh, Atlantic City, that second set. In the moment, I enjoyed those sets, but I enjoy them much more on re-listen because it sounds far more intentional. The the segues, 
the the overall flow sounds much more intentional to me in hindsight than it did even in the moment when I may have been thinking, I love this jam. I love where it is. I would love for this segment to continue. I think flow has been very present in this tour so far. Uh, I also will go ahead and say that I think Fishnet is a little gratuitous in the arrows that they give out at times, but that's just me. And this is not an attempt to devalue their wonderful, wonderful work. And I, you know, it's not enough that I've ever argued with them about it. But yeah, I think that's the biggest <laughs> thing. And Brian, you really touched on that the the loss of time the ability to kind of get lost in the music and let it carry you through. I think that has been something that Fish has done well on this tour so far. And I look forward to seeing what they do. So I want to ask you guys a question that's completely irrelevant to this conversation because (laughs) I went to see Dead & Company on Saturday night here in Philadelphia and it made me realize, to Brian's point earlier, about how, how I... I guess how I take in fish compared to other music like this, just hearing the the dead songs being played by, you know, some people who were in the band and and many who weren't, it was just like a great emotional release of a fun evening. Whereas with fish, it's like, it's so much more intensive in terms of listening and paying attention and trying to figure out what's going on and what's going to happen next. And I don't know. Am I missing out on something by not approaching fish like that? Or have you guys had that same experience? Because it's totally different to go. I've had those moments, of course, at, you know, tons of fish shows where it's like very, very emotional and celebratory. But the general experience for me is like trying to stay in it and try to pay attention and and watch what's going to happen and try to kind of stay engaged in that level. I am... Definitely not going to tell you you're doing Fish or any other band wrong. I think that if letting yourself get lost in it works for you, then that's what works for you. If trying to puzzle out and predict works for you, that's fine too. If you know keeping a notebook and a watch with the seconds visible on your uh, you know close to hand while you scribble down through the entire show is what works for you, you go do it that's i think that's fine um i think that's one of the magical things about this band is that there are so many possible approaches that that work yeah i mean i think like in past conversations jonathan you and i i think appreciate very similar aspects of fish but also look at it very differently and i've had some really insightful conversations with you that have like adjusted and 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 altered or, or given me a new perspective on how to how to understand fish but i do tend to fall squarely in the um kind of corner of where you're at rj where every fish show is a really intense experience for me good bad uh, life-changing walking out just being like i don't know if i'll listen to that again no matter what the band does i i go through a very intense experience and i think part of it is and i blame the band for this there are stakes still involved in what they're doing i think we all had questions when they came back in 2009 of is this just going to be some sort of a nostalgic act are they going to come back and just play songs and try to rehash things that happened in the past and it was very clear in early 3.0 that the band had other ideas in mind and they wanted to continue evolving as artists and they wanted to make a new statement. And as a result of that, you go to shows now and over the last 10 years, and every time you go to a show, there's an opportunity for like what happened on night one at Deer Creek, 
where the band stepped into a completely new musical terrain in the simple and in the blazon complemented by a really fantastic show that it's felt like every song that was called out was the right call at that time. And you hear that. And that suddenly is in a category of some of the great fish shows that have been played. I don't know if that's possible with like where dead and company is at right now, or if there are certain other bands who, who have kind of a structured set list of what they're going to play. And this is the side of this band that we are going to show you on this tour. Fish is going to show you that on a night to night basis. And it may be that everything aligns and it's this magical experience, or it may be somewhat frustrating as a listener, but as someone who listens to fish on a consistent basis, it's a very intense experience for me as a result of that. Those are great perspectives. Thanks for humoring me guys. Thank you both. Um, that's, that's what I'm here for, isn't it? Humoring you. I mean, (laughs) I think so. I thought that was very nice. Um, and yeah, no, it just contributing insight to me and my life. Do you guys have any any different perspective on this tour now that we're we've had a little time, like the tour overall? Like my only thing is like it's clear that the pandemic isn't over even more than it was clear like when Arkansas happened. Um but now it feels like with the testing and vaccination protocols out west that maybe it'll be a little more comfortable for people, but I guess for people going to their first shows of the year or of, of the past two years, it might still be kind of nerve wracking. I guess that's the thing I've been thinking about. Um, I don't know if you guys have had any other thoughts about, about the tour overall. I'm just wondering if they're going to keep producing 20 minute jams with the sort of frequency that they have, uh, on the first leg. I mean, statistically, Somebody should run the numbers, actually. I'm not going to, I'm not actually running numbers, so I shouldn't use the word statistically. But it seems to me on my uh, no math sort of uh, process that there should be a few more of those coming up. But never, never expect anything out of fish. Uh, as long as they can keep pumping out these quality sort of micro jam, 13 minute ghosts or whatever, um, I think that people should be very happy. But I, I don't think Fish is going to do that uh, quite, you know, just focus on those kinds of things. I expect they'll deliver something uh, remarkable that we'll have to talk at length about for months on end uh, by the time this tour is over. I, I think that's what's ahead. I think they're excited to be playing and what they're going to bring. Did I answer the right question there? I think so. <laughs> okay. I lost myself, I think. I thought I liked it. It felt okay. like being at a, at a show and trying to figure out where it was going. And then at the end, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I was hoping for. It's perfect. I ended with a period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the COVID uh, discussion is obviously much more present than I think we anticipated going into the tour, just with, with where cases were at at the time. Um, obviously, they seemed very intense on a local standpoint of where the band was playing. Now, it's much more of a national story. I think that... By all accounts, the tour was successful in terms of limiting any sort of a massive breakout, you know, or an outbreak. We we haven't really seen um, large scale news stories about like this is where something uh, emerged from. And I do agree the the new uh, requirements for the shows should continue to help. Um, we talked about this in our episode of the Drop this week. There's a lot of work that is being done by artists in the moment to ensure 
concerts are able to happen and are able to continue. And I think that Fish is making the right moves by reassessing what's happening. Okay, we need new requirements. Will this become strict by the fall, more strict by the fall? Time will tell, but I, I hope that this uh, this will make me feel more comfortable going into the first 20,000 person event that I've gone to in over two years. Um, musically speaking, I, I'm kind of on the same page with you, Jonathan. I think that there's probably more exploration in sight. Uh, we'll probably get into this here in the next segment, but um, historically speaking in 3.0, the second leg of a tour, the band tends to double down a bit more on experimentation and we tend to hear kind of a darker side of the band. So knowing that we already heard like a 30 minute jam off of tweezer in the third show of the tour, fourth show of the tour, that was really weird, really dissonant, really dark. It'd be cool to hear the band now confident that those sounds work, that those directions that they took musically work and hear where they're going to go with it, uh, potentially out in the vast, under the vast skies of the gorge. I think that sounds pretty fun. Um, I think one thing I was thinking about in terms of this tour I guess the the closest like corollary to me so far is 2015 and mostly because of the like the fairly well stuff that Trey did and how much he was practicing and playing I guess brings to mind how much he said that he's been practicing and playing this this year and that the the tours have been similar in terms of those like big jams pretty maybe not as early on but but definitely in terms of quality and and quantity um do you, does this tour remind you guys of any other tours in in this era? I'm going to jump in here because I think Brian's going to have a much better answer than me um, because he thinks about things like this um, more than I do. But I, I, I was thinking 2015, so I agree with you, RJ. I think that Trey entered that summer for Fish ready to apply what he had been learning and what he had been working on for fairly well. Uh, and here we have another summer where prior to Trey has been working really hard, doing a lot of things, but not fish. And now he's ready to just bring it all to the table and it seems to be working. Right. Yeah. I'm on the same page with 2015. And I think the only thing I would add is, you know, alongside of it, fall 2013 and the Baker's dozen from summer 2017 are seen as kind of the three, those are the scenes like three real like tent pole moments in 3.0 fall 2013. You have the 30th anniversary. Baker's dozen is just this like unending party in the middle of New York city. Summer 15 feels like there's a lot of weird new directions. The band is going in. It's not so much celebratory per se as it is, exploratory and it is experimental. And that's what this tour reminds me of. They're not, there's a lot of emotions in this tour. I feel like, you know, they got a year ripped away from them, musically speaking at an age when like, who knows how long they're going to continue doing this. And I heard a band that in their best moments, I heard a lot of aggression and a lot of frustration, almost like, why couldn't we have been doing this over the last year? And I think about that tweezer. I think about that simple, I say frustration in the most complimentary way possible. I've, I heard a band that was like somewhat pissed off about the fact that they're playing this well now. And why did it take this pandemic that ripped a year away from their tour for them to, to potentially sound this good. So that, that, that's where I like, I, I, in 2015, I almost hear like a somber 
you know, a, an ode to Trey's heroes. He played, you know, three massive sh- or five massive shows for Jerry Garcia, essentially in his role. And, you know, Trey at that point was eight years sober. I think, you know, there, there had to be like a realization at that point of like, I'm so lucky to be in this position. That's how it sounded to me. And, um, that's kind of the, 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 the sentiment I get from this tour. It's funny you talk about like uh, aggression or frustration because when you mentioned Baker's dozen, that keyed to me uh, as as a as a good touch point because I hear a lot of joy. I hear a band that is happy and thrilled totally. to be doing what they're doing and sharing it with us. Uh, a lot of a lot like what we heard at the Baker's dozen. You know, they, you know, sure, they're not crafting set lists in the same way. Trey's not, you know, sitting in his apartment, you know, going through. We saw saw that in the movie. And, and, and he's not doing quite that. But I, I feel like it's kind of, you know, they're moving around with that kind of intent to, all right, we are in Atlantic City now. And we're going to we're going to throw down for all of our friends We're you know, we're they're just thrilled to be doing it. What um what set have you guys been listening to the most or show? I keep going back to the second set in Hershey. Um, I really liked it in the moment, but I it was kind of what I was speaking about earlier. Like, I loved the Birds of a Feather, and I was like, maybe there's a little bit more there that they could have explored. And they you know would go into another song, and then Light kind of jumped into Party Time early. And then when I listen back to it, I'm like, no. This is exactly as it was meant to be. It flows perfectly. And it's one of those sets that I just, I, I've said this on a couple of the shows, my favorite sets, you press play on the first song of the set and you just don't even let up until the encore. And you look up and you're like, oh my God, that was an hour and a half and it was incredible. How about you guys? Yeah, I, I, I hate to be so agreeable because it would be cool to be talking <laughs> about different sets here, but I just love that Birds of a Feather so much that... I've I actually haven't really listened to the whole set, but a couple of times since uh, since it happened. But I've listened to that Birds of a Feather. I don't even know how many quite a few times. I, I keep going back to just that. How about you, RJ? I, I have this. I, I don't know what's going on, but I've been trying to go back and listen to these shows, and I just like can't make it through all of them. There's so much, you know, like, and I was at four of them and so like those are the shows i know the best but i was just looking at the the sunday night of deer creek and i was looking at the set list and i'm like i don't i know i listened to this but i can't remember it at all like i I went back and started with arkansas and made it to like to oak mountain and then you know had to listen to a bunch of podcasts or something and now so i feel like i don't have an answer yet because i'm still trying to like make my way through the tour with one listen which shouldn't be that hard i mean i guess 14 shows is you know what 50 hours of music or something so it's, it's a lot of music but um that's, that's where i am Let, let's regroup over thanksgiving and uh, sort this out <laughs> well can i ask mean, you yeah can i ask you a question <laughs> off topic because you were the only one of the three of us who, who has been to a, a fish show um since well you saw mexico as well you, you've seen fish a ton mexico doesn't count it, true sorry um it's not real was there any show that you were at that your perspective on it in the moment has changed up upon re-listen? Like either you had a really good time there and you don't really go back to it or, or vice versa. Hmm. Um, of the four that I saw, 
I think they all are pretty in line with where I was at the time in that like the first night of Nashville was really fun just to be back at a show and I haven't gone back to it that much. The second set second night of Nashville was amazing and I thought both AC shows were were great this Friday and Sunday shows I saw. So no. Sorry to disappoint you. I wish I had a better answer. That's a that's a good answer. You you were accurate in the moment then. <laughs> at least at least I'm at least I'm inflexible in my opinions. Um one one of the two. <laughs> Um, I'm going to try to listen to some more of these shows. And I think while, while I go back and listen to these shows, maybe our listeners should hear a little bit from shift genuine cannabis. Do you think that is that a good idea, guys? Sure. But I don't think the break should be that long. It's like 15 hours, right? That's true. (laughs) Okay. All right. Not that long. I'll listen to a, a little bit of a tweezer. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. All right, guys. Shift Genuine Cannabis, thank you for everything. Um, guys, let's look out west quickly before we let everyone go. Um, Brian, you're... You're you live out west. Denver is out west. Where where does out west start? Is it the is it the Mississippi River or is it like Colorado? It's my it's backyard. A good, <laughs> out west, it's literally just that. West way. West Philadelphia is is right down the street, and that's it's it's west for some people. I appreciate you uh, providing a proper segue into the geography segment of the podcast. Um, yeah, I I think that when you cross the Mississippi, the sky kind of opens up, and and I I am a I, I will not argue in favor of Nebraska, but I will argue in favor of Kansas and the Dakotas as being incredibly underrated states to drive across. Uh, one thing I love about living in Denver and where I live, I live kind of up on a hill. I can see the Rocky Mountains to the west, but I can look out east at the vast wide open prairie, and I feel like I'm right in the middle of the country. Some people take issue with it being flyover country. Fly over me all you want. It's okay. I love where I live. <laughs> Brian, are you excited to um, see fish? I think I know the answer to that. But also, what are you what are you expecting to see out west for these these shows? There's three nights of the gorge, two nights of Tahoe, and then three at Dix coming up in the next week and a half, two weeks. Um, those are like some great great stops. Um, I don't know. It seems like the the possibilities are endless. But what are you what are you what are you going to see? I tell everyone half joking that 85% of the reason we live in Denver is because of the Dick's run over Labor Day. Uh, I have been, I'd been to a couple before I moved out here. I absolutely love living out here. Uh, I, I think ultimately, you know, hearing fish and seeing fish in the Northeast feels like home. 
You know, that, that is there, there are so many sheds up on, up in the Northeast that whenever I've seen them there, or I hear a show from there, it feels like there's an elevated sense of, you know, attention. There's an elevated sense of like nostalgia, uh, and they end up playing really good shows there. But when they come out West, they sound like a very different band. And I think back to like 2009 and 2010, when they did initial tours, uh, on the East coast, and then they took a pause and they came out West and either they played the gorge red rocks, or they played Berkeley and they sounded like a band that was embracing the kind of wide open, vast expanses of where they were playing at. And I'm just really excited that we get three venues in a 10 day stretch in time where they've played phenomenal shows, uh, where the band has really connected on a musical standpoint and at the high that they're at right now and the amount of exploration that we've been hearing, I'm anticipating a lot to discuss here over the next 10 days uh, with regards to Fish Tour. Yeah, I think there's, as I said earlier in the previous segment, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, Gorge is always great. I, I guarantee everybody who goes there, well, I'll say most everybody who goes there is going to have themselves a great time. Uh, and I think Fish is among them. I think they're going to have themselves a great time, and I'm really excited to hear what they do. I'm a little worried. Should we talk about the Tahoe situation? The The fires uh, are nearing South Lake Tahoe. I, this is not my geography strong point, so we'll, we'll lean to you, Brian, perhaps, but as I understand, the smoke levels are high. There's uh, roads closed, and uh, forests are closed for safety, and is Tahoe going to happen? I'm going to take off my COVID expert hat and my Afghanistan expert hat, and I'm going to put on my wildfire expert hat. Um, I don't know. Based on all the feedback that that we, we all the noise that we hear, I have to imagine that the band is has 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 the staff in place to decide if this is a safe event, and if not, they will cancel it. I certainly hope it goes on. I was considering going to Tahoe. I'm I've backed out for other reasons, um, but. I, I, I hope that they're able to do five shows ahead of Dix, and I hope that everyone who has tickets for Tahoe, I know that that's a really special event, will be able to go to it. I, I completely agree. Uh, I'm not any kind of uh, wildfire expert because I live in Virginia. Um, but they, uh, yeah, it's kind of scary, and I hope it is. everything. It definitely is. I hope everything's blow the right way. Uh, uh, but we know that Paige is in charge of all of these decisions. So if something, you know, goes wrong or if the decision isn't correct, everybody email Paige. Um, no, it's <laughs> obviously they've got people in place who are concerned about this. I hope the band isn't worried about this at all. We don't want them thinking about this stuff. We want them just right. thinking about their own health and playing a good show and not thinking about any of that other stuff. And uh, that way... They can kick all of the ass on stage. Um, and Dix is, I mean, when does Dix disappoint? Certainly the bar is high, uh, yeah. but they know it too. So I think, I think you're, in for, you're in for a treat there. What are your thoughts, RJ? Yeah, um, I, that is, it is crazy. I mean, it's so, there, there's a lot of scary things happening out there in the world at the moment. And Fish seems to kind of move with like pretty good awareness of that but continue to move forward with it so i kind of assume that that'll be the case um it's it's crazy though the the droughts and the, and the fires out west are insane so hopefully yeah hopefully that can you know hopefully the shows can can go on um 
Yeah, I mean, I've been to to Dick's and to Tahoe and to San Francisco to see fish, and um, it's great. I mean, everything's just like a little bit more chill, you know. And I think we could, I think we could use a little bit more chill. So I'm I'm excited for these shows, and I think the three nights at the Gorge to me is a is a big um, opportunity just to like really settle in. I mean, three night runs are are not that common anymore for fish. Um, I feel like they are, you know, in the summers of, of the the '90s and and early 2000s, it was. It seems to me that uh, that was like a little bit more normal for that to happen. But um, three nights at the gorge seems like it's going to be a pretty awesome, awesome time. So I'm psyched for everyone who gets to go. Yeah, they so, did. A f- sounds exhausting to me, honestly. <laughs> they did their I first understand. three night run at the gorge back in 2018, and the the Sunday show from that is. One of my favorite year, favorite shows of that year, favorite shows of the last decade. It, they, you talk about settling in, and from note one, they just sound like a band that had been hanging out on a porch, looking out at the Columbia River all day, and we're like, okay, maximum chill. Let's go out. Let's play just some like very wide ambient music and and see what happens. Yeah, those are great shows. Um, well, okay. So, anything else, guys, before we wrap up? We've done on a weekly basis the jam of the week. We did the Choctaw's Torture from Alpharetta. We did the Simple from Deer Creek. And we did the Ghost from Atlantic City. What do we think at this point was the jam of the tour? I want to go back and listen to that simple. I want to go back and listen to the tweezer bathtub gin. I want to listen, go back and listen to a lot of these things, but um, without doing that, I think you know my answer. I think I already told you my answer. I think answer. I do. I think I do. <laughs> um, what's your? Do you have one, Brian? I I, I was re-listening to a bunch of jams, and I, I think I'm on the. I didn't think this initially, but I think I'm on the side of the blaze on from Deer Creek. Um, hmm. Around 16 minutes, they basically write a brand new song and then they keep jamming. And it's this, Jonathan talks about the joy uh, of, you know, parts of this tour compared to uh, the Baker's Dozen. And listening back to it, I I had kind of a revelation of like the joyful moments that you have that contrasted with that deep, dark, crazy, simple two songs later that blaze on to me sounds like a band that's just like, halfway through a tour and is just so happy to be playing live music again. And it really reminded me of one of my favorite jams of all time, the 11 one 2013 twist, another joyful jam that feels like this band got this load off their chest the night before by debuting 12 new songs and taking this massive risk on Halloween. And here they come out, there's no pressure on them and they just play this amazing, fully connected, joyful jam. Well, there's plenty to listen to, um, so that's good news. I'm going to go back and keep listening. Um, so we're going to be back with, with some people from these Gorge shows this weekend, and we'll be back with you all next Tuesday to, to recap the weekend shows. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we need to let people know. Maybe they should, maybe they should go listen to some more fish. Jonathan, you look skeptical. Oh, no, I'm not skeptical about that. I was just, you know, Brian mentioned Halloween. I was just wondering if maybe we save it for next week or sometime after, you know, after the tour is over. But we're probably going to have to talk about whether or not the sounds we're hearing in this tour are 
in some way hidden clues or indicative about what we're going to hear on Halloween. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's. I, I think I like that's a that. cliffhanger. Yeah, I think that's a cliffhanger. Call that a good teaser for y'all. Yeah. All right. Everybody, be good out there. Be safe if you're going to the shows. And uh, thanks again to Shift Genuine Cannabis for helping us do this. And we will see you all later. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Peace out, guys. Thank you. Peace. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. 
Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.